Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfilment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we are also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Sandy. Uh, well, it's uh, really great to be back. Uh, this morning, as we were setting up for the morning service at about 9.30 a.m., I was standing over there. We were busy setting up the room. There were people setting up for kids' ministry. The musicians were practising. And it was just this little moment of, oh, yeah, I remember this sort of frenetic vibe, but uh, also the great joy of just being together and seeing each other, all working together on our different things uh, to help each other to praise God and to... Um, yeah, to have this time together where we get to be, be fed and grow in him each week. Uh, and so it's such a joy to be able to do that with you. Uh, first time in 11 months, I think, March 15th was our last Sunday here. Uh, and really great that we can do it uh, in a safe and loving way in the situation uh, that we've got to at this stage. Praise God. Uh, personally, I'm quite excited to be opening God's word again with you tonight, listening to how God might be encouraging us and challenging us to grow closer to him uh, individually and as a church community together. Uh, but I know that there's probably a, a mix of emotions here. Uh, I've spoken about my uh, excitement and joy, but perhaps for some of us there's some apprehension or anxiety. 
There might be some sadness because of who isn't here or because things are still a bit different. And if that's you, that's okay. We've been through massive changes over the last 12 months. And even though we're back together, church feels different to how it used to be. We're wearing masks, we're signing in, we're not shaking hands or hugging. Eating together is going to take a little bit longer to resume, but we we hope to be able to have some afternoon tea next week. Uh, We'll confirm that during the week. The new local case this week uh, reminded me of just how unpredictable things are. I had a moment of panic on Thursday. Are we still going to be able to meet together? Thankfully we can, but uh, we do need to keep following these guidelines out of love for our neighbours. This new case uh, just reminds us how quickly things can change. After all these transitions we've had, working from home, now perhaps back in the office for some of us, cancelling parties and get-togethers, now perhaps starting to have them again, learning to wear a mask without my glasses fogging up. Anyone else had that issue? Yeah, yep. You know the pain. Um, Getting used to the idea of a stranger sticking something further up my nose than I even knew existed. All right. Borders closing. Borders opening. Borders closing. Right? We've had all these changes and with it comes this sense of, of uncertainty, this sense that everything could change tomorrow, today, tonight. It's not easy to live with that sense of uncertainty. And so a natural response is that we try to insulate ourselves a bit. We try to, to grasp for a bit of security in the midst of all the uncertainty. Uh, in January, Channel 9 News reported that Australian households and businesses saved over $200 billion more through the pandemic. Household saving alone grew by over $100 billion in the 12 months to last November. So even with so many people losing their jobs and and losing hours at work, across the board we were able to save significantly more than previously. Now, yes, we had less travel opportunities and less spending opportunities, that was part of it, But a big factor is people saving for a rainy day. We've had a few of them. When we feel uncertain, we want some extra security. And a big place, it seems, that Australians look for that is in our money, in some savings. But as followers of Jesus, the uncertainty in the world doesn't define us. We don't want to live reactive lives just responding to what's happening around us. No, we, we turn to the scriptures. We take our lead from the gospel. And today's passage and this series in Ephesians is really helpful for reorienting us, helping us to refocus on Christ in the midst of this unpredictability and this changing world. It's so helpful, uh, particularly today's passage, because it teaches us that we're actually part of a bigger story. Life is not just this series of chaotic, random events that are unpredictable. No, God has a purpose and a plan. He's writing this wonderful story, and we're characters in God's big story. Uh, My wife, Ale, and I were camping in East Gippsland two weeks ago, and we went for a walk near the mouth of the mighty snowy river. We're walking over these sand dunes and eventually we got got to the top of one of these sand dunes and we could suddenly see out over the whole estuary, uh, quite nice and calm, uh, some birds flying around. Uh, And then around here was the the mouth of the river where the current was a bit stronger as it was going out 
and then there's the ocean with the, these wild waves crashing on the beach along here. And now I'm notorious for uh, just getting to the top and, okay, let's keep going. Where, where are we going next? Just keep walking. Um, but Harley is much better than me at just stopping and really enjoying where we've got to, enjoying the view, letting uh, the majesty and the beauty just soak in and really drinking that in. Uh, so I need to tell you tonight, be like Aleph. Don't be like me. Right? After the sermon this morning, she said, Mike, you meant to tell people to be like Jesus, not be like me. So yes, be like Jesus, but be like Aleph in this way. Right? Because Ephesians 1 is this beautiful vista that we get uh, over the whole of God's purposes and plans from beginning to end. And so it's so important that we stop and spend some time and just marvel at the scope of what God is doing. So much bigger than the day-to-day and all the circumstances of our lives. We just drink in the majesty and splendor of it all. So today we're, we're raising our vision to this big story of God's purposes and blessing so that the gospel, not our need for security and changing times, but the gospel shapes everything that we do individually and as a community together. So like any good story, there's some characters in this one. So firstly, we meet... Uh, our first character in uh, verse 1 there. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. So he's like the narrator for our story. He's an apostle of Christ. That means he's a representative of Jesus, sent by Jesus. And so he speaks for Jesus, just like the narrator speaks uh, for the author in a narrative. God, Father, Son and Spirit is the author of the gospel And Paul is commissioned by the will of God to write this letter as God's word to his people. Then we have the recipients. Two, God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. So this letter is addressed in the first instance to this gathering of God's people in Ephesus in the first century after Christ. And Ephesus was this significant town on the coast of Asia Minor, which today we'd call Turkey. And I say it's addressed to them in the first instance because, of course, it's also God's word for us. We, like the Ephesians, are God's holy people, made pure and blameless by Christ. So we're the recipients as well, although kind of in a more indirect way. They say you can't be in two places at once. Uh, But the amazing thing about these characters in our story is that they are. Did you notice that? They're in Ephesus but they're also the faithful in Christ Jesus. They're in Ephesus and they're in Christ. They have this dual identity going on. They they live in Ephesus, so they dress in togas or whatever ancient Ephesians wore, right? They probably speak Greek to each other and probably also know a bunch of other languages. They live with the threats of the ancient world, with disease and political manoeuvring and social change in the Roman Empire. And they live in the shadow of this giant pagan temple devoted to Artemis. And that meant that when they preached the gospel, it came across as as bad news to some people. People rallied against them because they were going to be undermining uh, the work of the idol makers. The idol makers were going to go out of business. That was part of the challenge of being a Christian in Ephesus. But, But we're not in Ephesus. We're in Melbourne. We're in Parkville or or Brunswick or Kensington or Essendon or Northcote, Coburg. And so we 
dress like people from Melbourne with our check shirts and our hipster jeans. Good to see we're not all wearing black tonight. We've put on our bright colours for a special day. We probably speak English to each other, but perhaps also a bunch of other languages that we know. We too live with those same threats, the threat of disease, of political manoeuvring, social change in the modern world. We too live in the shadow of a giant pagan temple. Ours is called the MCG. It's devoted to AFL, and I reckon there's a fair bit of idolatry going on down there too. Christians have always lived in the world. We've always had to deal with these changes and uncertainty and even hostility from the people around us. The reason for that is because God's purposes are for people like us, people who live in the midst of a broken, sinful, fallen world. God's purposes are for people like us. But our cultural context doesn't determine the lives that we live. Being in Ephesus or in Parkville is not the most important thing about us. No, more importantly, these characters are in Christ. This means they're united to Christ. They're they're bound to him. They're part of his body. So they share in everything that is his. And that's true for us as well. We're in Christ. We're bound to him. We're united to him. We're part of his body. And so we share in those blessings as well. Uh, being in Christ is so significant to this passage that that phrase, or or sometimes it's in him or or something similar to that, it's used over ten times through this passage. You might have noticed how it keeps coming up. In him, in Christ, in the son he loves. The gospel is all about what God does in Christ. So we might say that uh, Jesus is the central character of the gospel story. So what is this great gospel plan? What does God do in Christ? Well, verse 3 is is like a heading, really, I reckon, for this passage. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. This is the title for the story. Praise be to God, because he has blessed us in every way in Christ. If you want the sermon in a line, there it is. Praise be to God because he has blessed us in every way in Christ. Now, that's the one-line version, but it's much more fun to follow the twists and turns of the story. Uh, So we're going to do that. We're going to look firstly way back in time, see what God has done in the past. We're going to see what those blessings are for us in the present. And then we're going to look into the future and where it's all headed before we think about what it means for us here at St. Jude's in Parkville to be part of this grand story. Uh, So firstly, we look right back in verse 4. It says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. So you would have seen that. We're going a long way back here, right? This is not just a galaxy a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, right? This is way back before the creation of any of the galaxies, before time as we know it, before there were any galaxies to be far away from, before any humans existed, before, in fact, anything was created. 
God made a decision. He chose to create a people to be holy and blameless for himself. He chose to create them and he made the plan to adopt them as his sons through his only son, Jesus Christ. This was his pleasure and will. So if you've ever wondered, does God have a plan for your life? Yes. Yes, he does. His plan is for you to be holy and blameless in Christ before him. Because of his love, he's chosen to adopt you to sonship by uniting you with his son, Jesus. Once you're in Christ, you share what is his, and so you too are a child of God. Uh, We might wonder here why Paul specifies adoption to sonship, not daughtership as well. Um, The key is in the background to how the Bible uses this language of sonship and how the ancient world used this language. Um, Because God had described Israel as his firstborn son, his treasured possession is what he meant by that. He said that the Messiah, Israel's saviour, would be his son. Then in the ancient Greco-Roman world, uh, adopting someone as your son was a really significant thing. It meant giving them full legal rights uh, in your family. They they weren't a second-class child. They had full rights, including to inherit uh, on an equal standing with any natural children. So in Paul's patriarchal world, sonship has this... uh, has this significance to it that daughtership did not have. But the amazing thing in the New Testament is that it's very clear that adoption to sonship is for both men and women. Passages like 2 Corinthians 6, 18 make clear that adoption is for both men and women in God's kingdom. So these benefits that had just been associated with sonship God is showering these benefits and privileges on men and women through Jesus Christ. He becomes a father to us. He he gives us his love and his kindness. He guides us. He teaches us. He leads us. He disciplines us as well because he wants what's best for us. He wants a good future for us. He shares his heart with us. We become part of God's family because he chooses to adopt us. But perhaps this whole idea of God choosing raises questions for you. Didn't I choose to follow Jesus? How can we say that God chose me if I chose Jesus? And perhaps more pointedly, how can God hold us accountable for whether we choose to follow Jesus if it's his choosing that makes the difference? These are great questions. Uh, I'm not going to do them full justice tonight, let me be honest. Um, I could probably preach the rest of the sermon on this issue and there'd still be questions. Uh, But I do want to speak about this. I do want to say a few important things because actually this is a really wonderful thing to understand because God's election or, or predestination, his choosing, it's this challenging but beautiful piece of the gospel story because it spurs us to holiness. Because God chose us for holiness and to be blameless. It comforts us in hard times because we know that no evil or sin, no challenge or hardship could separate God from those he has set his heart on. 
It humbles our pride because God chose us before the foundation of the world. So it couldn't be based on anything that I've done or anything I deserve. It couldn't be because we're better than anyone else. It's purely God's grace to us, his unmerited blessing. We're no better than anyone else. And I think it also makes sense that the God who made the universe and everything in it would have some plans for it, that he would make some choices about it. That doesn't mean that we don't get to make choices too. No, we absolutely do. It's not a zero-sum game between God's agency and our agency. There's a lot more to say here. Uh, I'm happy to chat with you further after the service, but I hope I've whet your appetite a little bit because we are actually going to be doing a series in Romans 9 to 11 later this year uh, where these issues of God's election and his sovereignty, how that works with our, our decision-making, that really comes kind of front and centre in that uh, section of Romans. So uh, we are going to be addressing this in far more detail. Um, but as I said, f- please feel free to come and uh, discuss particular questions you might have afterwards. And so we've looked back. We've seen how God has chosen his people in the past. So now let's look to the present and ask, what are the blessings that we have now because of God's big purposes and plan? And this passage is uh, jam-packed full of them. Did you notice some of them? Verse 3 tells us that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ in the heavenly realms. We, We lack no good blessing of God's spirit. That's how generous and kind he is to us because we're in Christ. Here's a few of them you might have noticed. Uh, Verse 5, we have adoption, which we've already talked about. Uh, Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Uh, There's kind of two blessings wrapped up in one here. Uh, Firstly, that idea of redemption. We're freed from the power of sin. So many people live under the power of their own desires, like we're controlled by it, or under the pressure to please others, or the constant drive to pursue our own pleasures. Instead of living for our Creator, we're compelled by these other desires. And that's sin, to live for ourselves instead of living for God. But God has redeemed us. We have redemption. God has brought us back from slavery to sin. We're no longer under the power of sin and evil because God has freed us through Christ's blood, free to live for God's good purposes of blessing, free to live the only life that is true freedom. But this blessing is more than that, because secondly, our guilt is removed, because we have the forgiveness of sins. In Christ, because of his sacrificial blood for us, we're also forgiven for all our sins. God does not hold our sins and our failures against us. I don't know what lockdown was like in your house. But it was a struggle in mine sometimes. Whatever our sins or our failures through lockdown, there is forgiveness in Christ. There is a fresh start. He has forgiven us. Verse 13, we have another blessing. You are marked in him with a seal the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. 
Do you ever feel like you're not sure where you belong? I mean, it's nice to feel like you've got a community, a group of people to fit in with, someone who'll look out for you. Uh, there are TV shows made about this. You might have noticed, you can tell them by the name. Friends, neighbours, community, cheers, where everybody knows your name, right? We love having TV shows about it because we all want to belong. And God knows this. So he makes sure that we know that we belong to him. We're not isolated. We're part of his family. We're his because we've got his spirit. Uh, it's a bit like a brand or a tattoo. It sets us apart of one of, as one of God's people. This one belongs to Jesus. So we're not alone or isolated or abandoned. God has paid his deposit for us, we could say. He said, yes, I'm serious about buying. Here's my deposit. To push this idea a bit further, it's like God's got a mortgage on us, right? No one else can have us. He's given us his spirit. We can be sure that we belong with him. So we've got all these blessings in Christ, adoption, uh, redemption and forgiveness, those two that go together there. It's deposit of the spirit. And there's another blessing that we have now, uh, which we're going to see in just a moment. Uh, but you might have heard the phrase, God is a mystery. People talk about spiritual things like they're kind of vague or just unknowable, uncertain. We can't really know what God wants of us, so we will do the best to, to make it up ourselves. And uh, there's some truth in this, right? Of course we can never fully grasp God. God is mysterious. We can't fully get him figured out. In that sense, he is mysterious. But it's not the full story either. Because there's this other blessing we have in Christ. In verse 9, it tells us, He, that's God, made known to us, made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. God has revealed his plans to us. His purpose is no longer mysterious. His will is not unknown. In Jesus, he has revealed his big plan to us. In the scriptures, we have the record of what God has revealed to us through Christ. We have the words that he's spoken to us so that we can know his plan. We can know where that big story's going because God has revealed his purposes to us. So this is another blessing that we have in the presence. There was adoption, redemption and forgiveness, the deposit of the Spirit and revelation, God revealing himself and his purposes to us. But to see what God's big purposes ultimately are, where it's all going, we've looked back to the past, we've thought about blessings in the present, we now need to look forward into the future. And we see where this big story is going in verse 9 and 10 if we keep reading. So I'll read from verse 9. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfilment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. <clears throat> to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. So where is this creation headed? Unity under Christ. Where is our culture going? What's the right side of history? Unity under Christ. 
What does the future hold? Unity under Christ. What is God's plan for the universe and everything in it? uh, Unity under Christ. You see, I sometimes think about the kingdom of God as this kind of small little thing. It's like this small subset of the world. Maybe it's in opposition to the world. But actually, this passage challenges me that, no, actually, God's kingdom is growing and will one day be the world. (laughs) That all things will be rightly ordered under Christ. Uh, That means that everyone... That that means that picture of everyone recognising the one who is far above all rule and authority, all power and dominion and every name that is invoked. That means glory and blessing for those who have denied themselves and taken up their cross to follow Christ. And friends, it means judgement and condemnation for those who continue to oppose his good purposes and resist his rule. Or to put it another way, it means all things praising his glorious grace. Did you notice this repeated phrase through the passage? All God's purposes are ultimately, in verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace. Or in verse 12, for the praise of his glory. Verse 14, to the praise of his glory. God's ultimate aim is that we would praise his glory. Not not because he's selfish or he needs it. Not because he wants wants to drag us away from other good things. No, it's because only he is truly worthy of all praise. Only God created everything else that we might possibly want to give our praise to. So it's only when we praise him that we're actually uh, rightly directing our praise. It's only when we praise our Creator and Redeemer that our praise is going in the right direction. Here at St Jude's in Parkville, the gospel is the heartbeat of our community. We want to be shaped by this big story. Right? We want to do everything to the praise of His glory. Our vision is to be a church for the whole person, the whole community, the whole city and the whole world as we proclaim the gospel of Christ. This is our story we proclaim. It's the story we live by. It's how we become a church for others. It's by proclaiming the good news of Christ. To help us remember this, uh, here at Parkville, we talk about growing as God's family on mission. This kind of captures what this passage says about us. So firstly, we, we belong to God. We're God's. We're chosen by Him. We're His special possession and inheritance in this passage. So we listen to him through his word. We we pray and we praise him. We're chosen and and belong to God. We're his family. We're God's family because we've been adopted in as his children. We're growing more like our father. We're learning to love our siblings, sometimes harder than other times. Perhaps you found that with your own siblings. But we're, we're learning to build these deep relationships of love with one another. We're family to each other. Lots of us are from interstate or overseas. We love each other like family. So we're God's family. And because of that, we're part of his mission. We're part of the family business. We want Parkville and the inner north to praise his glory. 
We want to see friends and family come to trust Jesus, find hope and purpose in him. We want to see all things in heaven and on earth come to unity under Christ. So we want to grow as God's family on mission together. Friends, this is the gospel. This is our story. It's not our story because we're the main characters in it. Clearly, that is Jesus. Everything is in Christ. But it's our story because God graciously invites us to be part of his purpose and plan, to have the security of being part of that great story and plan. So this story defines who we are, God's family on mission. We're not defined by being in Melbourne. We're not defined by snap lockdowns or mask wearing. We're not defined by our anxieties or our need for security. No, we're members of God's family. We're members of the family that he is gathering together until all things are brought to unity under Christ, to the praise of his glorious grace. In just a moment, we're going to sing to the praise of his glorious grace. Before we do that, let me pray for us uh, in the same way that Paul prays for the Ephesian Christians in the second half of this passage. Let's pray. Our great God and Father, we praise you that you have a good purpose for our world. That your will for our world is blessing not cursing, that you're working out your good purposes in Christ. Would you open the eyes of our heart, Lord, that we might see more clearly what you are doing in us and around us in this big picture. Might the eyes of our heart be enlightened, that we might know the hope to which you've called us. Might we know the riches of your glorious inheritance. Might we know your incomparably great power, for us who believe, that same power that uh, was at work when you raised Jesus from the dead. God, we long to see that power at work in us and through us, that many more might come to uh, praise your glorious grace, might come to join in Christ. Father, we thank you for the deep security that we have in you, chosen before time, adopted into your family, redeemed from the power of sin, forgiven for our guilt, having your spirit living in us that we might know that we're one of yours, having your words speaking to us through the scriptures. God, thanks for these incredible blessings. Help us to live to the praise of your glory and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please stay seated for now. We have a, a new song that called King of Kings, which beautifully captures a lot of